0: Jesus, I crave to know you to know you will satisfy my soul. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 185. I want to thank you for joining me today on this episode. Um, just as a quick reminder, um, do uh, check out uh, the Bible Study Podcasts, .com. Um, That is a a continuing progress, so I'd love for you to check out uh, my website there as it develops. Uh, There's some contact um, methods and platforms through that. I'd love to hear from you, um, questions you may have, um, perhaps episode ideas, um, things that you've been studying, uh, insights you've gotten. I'd love to just hear from from my listeners, Uh, so I'd love to reach out and uh, hear those things. So, um, also, um, we have description in the description notes. Uh, you'll find links to the books that I have uh, written and published. Uh, they're through Amazon. You can find the links in the description notes um, as well. So, uh, thanks again for dropping by. So, today, um, in this episode, I just want to um, not so much casually, but just organically. Uh, I want to just read through some and just um, maybe throw some thoughts or some suggestions out to consider. Um, out of Matthew chapter five, uh, you may be familiar with this uh, portion. Uh, it's where Jesus uh, gives what's called a, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, he goes through the Beatitudes. Um, so these are the the blessed um, statements, and so. Um, it says when, this is coming Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. Now, I can't help but uh, touch this point um, right off the bat. A lot of times when, especially in ministry, you you're trying to make an impact. You're trying to... Make a difference to most, I would say, most instances it's out of purity, and you are trying to do things, accomplish things for God. And at a time when Jesus has a crowd, what a perfect opportunity it could have been to take a certain approach to capitalize on the opportunity to, to ride the wave of, of impact. But we see here that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Um, now you could say you know, he went up on the mountainside to, you know, to have a better projected voice, to have kind of like this elevated place so that people could see him easier. You could make some cases for these things, but um, I do see, though, in that that he he went a little further away from them and um, how easy it is to allow people's responses to, to maybe dictate what you do, to consider that it's working, perhaps, and there's... There's some real impact that you can have. So he goes up on the mountainside and he sits down. And sitting down is—you think of that. I think of uh, just this posture of not striving. It's uh, at least in our, you know, culture in the United States, sitting down isn't kind of indicative of uh, being relaxed. Um, you 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 stand for people in you know honor like honor positions of honor judges you know different things so it it encapsulates this idea of you know at ease and a, and a lack of striving so that's powerful to chew on just to begin um, it says his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, let me just say this. His disciples came to him. And I think that's significant. And telling. I think that in the in the grand scheme of assessing our position in Christ, those um those that are Jesus' disciples will come to him. And I think this speaks to the nature of what's in your heart, uh, the, the, the nature of your of the condition of your heart. And it tells you of your uh, of your position in Christ. Um, being in Him, you want to be where He is. So I think it's very telling that it says His disciples came to Him. Um, so what does that mean for those who did not come to Him? Maybe they weren't His disciples. Uh, do you do you yourself have a desire to come to where Jesus is, to um, be near Him, to interact and engage with Him? Um, if you don't, maybe you're not His disciple. Well, that's very concerning, because especially if you think you are, um, that would be very alarming if you have a, a, an idea that you are His disciple, that you are in Him, but you have no desire to be where He is. You have no desire to come to Him. Then that should be very concerning. Um, I think it would warrant some real searching. Now, that's, that's not to say that there aren't times... Or seasons where we find ourselves in places of, I'll call it maybe lack of motivation, or um, just places of difficulty where you just kind of feel like you're in a rut, um, and you're, you're not really passionate about anything. Um, maybe it's very difficult to come to Him. Maybe you're, it's like you know trying to walk through molasses or some sort of syrup or something. It's um, it's hard. That's not to say when you have those moments that you don't belong to him or you're not his disciple. It it, it, it doesn't work that way. Belonging to him is not this, here. I belong to him, then I don't belong to him, I belong to him, then I don't belong to him. But I think that you should assess the overall trajectory of, do I come to him? And um, and I think by searching that question, and and trying honestly to answer it, um, it's very telling. And so take what that tells you, and then do something about it. Whether that's appreciate the relationship all the more because you belong to him, or because you discover maybe I don't belong to him, and what can I do about that? And you know Jesus said. You know, if any will come to me, he will not turn any of them away. So, there's for every conclusion you draw, there's an action, an actionable item that can be on the other side of that. So, I encourage you to do that. So it says in verse three. Well, we're not getting really, we're not getting very far, very fast. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've heard a lot of people say, a lot of, you know, draw different conclusions about what these, some of these, you know, beatitudes, these blessed statements are, and what they mean, and uh, I appreciate all of them, but um, I would say that I have yet to find um, and not that I'm the barometer of truth, but I've yet to find anyone who has a, I guess, could draw a period or an exclamation point on the conclusion of of it entirely. You know, there, there's great thoughts to be said for, you know, what does blessed are the poor, what is poor in spirit? And um, I've heard some um i've heard some wonderful explanations you know, for example um you know we're not just we're not talking about those who are physically poor um, although um, i could i can appreciate an element of of a physical like a physicality of poorness i can appreciate that how um how that could take shape but Poor in spirit, um, we think of we think of a someone in poverty of in spirit. They they don't their spirit longs for something more, and um, and those who are attempting to reach out and take hold of the more. Um they are blessed. why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. and uh, you know you could say the the kingdom of God, you could just say the kingdom and uh, not of man, but uh, you know of God. because in the kingdom lies the king, and in the king is the fullness of all things. Uh, who is Jesus. So, it's it's a really neat idea to think those who in their spirit are reaching for that which they feel they have not laid hold of, not from a sense of greed and uh, to try to accrue or to check boxes or um, elevate themselves. It's those who who feel that they continue their journey in their in their spiritual uh, pursuit of of God in Christ. Those who have not yet feel they have attained it, they are blessed. Why? Because they can reach for the more that is in Christ. So, I say that's just one example of could what could that mean? Um, because there are so. There's an unending treasure trove of of what is potential inside of uh, revelation, um, as long as it stays within the bounds of Scripture. That's very critical to remember. Um, sometimes we get on this path of uh, spiritual enlightenment and we go beyond. Um, not. Not in the sense of beyond what's explicitly said, but we go beyond the bounds of scripture. That is to say, um, so much so that we void scripture for the sake of enlightenment or supposed enlightenment. We void the scriptures because of um, you know extraneous or outside uh, resources. That um, that we're using to to proclaim this alleged uh, insight. So, be very careful. Um, I encourage everyone to to pursue, to understand, to keep reaching for understanding and revelation and insight. And uh, and God will God will show and reveal to those who are hungry. But never let your revelation contradict God's Word. Because if it does, if it contradicts it, then you need to throw it in the garbage. Because God will not contradict what He has said. He's not a liar, and He's not deceitful, and He's not a trickster. We know those are all qualities of Satan. And we also know that Satan will come as an angel of light. So he's very deceptive. He will appear as though Uh, whether physically or in the mind, as though he is a dealer of light, um, when in fact he's a dealer of death. So don't allow yourself to be deceived in believing that something is true, um, but there is a precedent that is contrary to that in Scripture. Don't receive revelation that contradicts Scripture. It's very important. The the Bible, God's Word, uh, the Holy Scripture, is and should be the plumb line of your truth. It should be the, the, the scale that your revelation is placed upon. If it violates the Word of God, and toss it out. So verse four says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And as you'll notice as we go through these, it's kind of it's a kind of an opposite reality to what we see in the world today. You know, the meek don't inherit. Uh, or um, take over things. That's the bold, the um, the daring. You know, the the opposite of you know those who mourn shall be comforted. So you you may have heard it called this upside down kingdom. Um, I've heard others call it the right side up, the way it should. This is the actual way. The thing that we experience in our kingdom on earth is kind of this backwards idea. So, I appreciate both of those, but um, you'll notice that as we make our way through some of these, is they seem very opposite, opposing ideas. And so, we should allow that, the Word of God to challenge our paradigm, and then, if needed, we tear our paradigms down, and we allow God's Word to rebuild that which... Is needed, and so so many times we have these paradigms that we have allowed to grow, or that we have built, or we have allowed others to build upon. And so we we have to be careful um, when we have those structures built in our in our understanding or our preconceived notions on things. And we always allow the word of God to to measure the way we see the world and the way that we understand the world and how it all intertwines with the kingdom of God. So, blessed, verse 6, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. For... Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, that one's actually a little different than what we've been reading thus far. That one is, for those who show mercy, you will be shown mercy. And so, that's kind of like the first one that we come across that... Um, if you hold to this um, conviction or perspective, then the same will be returned to you. So then, likewise, if you read it in a different way, um, so if blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, then could you say, cursed are the... Um, those who, the word escapes me, but blessed uh, cursed are those who do not show mercy. Why? For they will not be shown mercy. So it should cause us to pause and think about in our day-to-day life all of those who we come across, very challenging individuals and very difficult and frustrating situations can we be shown mercy um, to those individuals to those situations um, because if we can there is a a biblical promise that if we are merciful we will be shown mercy now he doesn't Jesus doesn't give a you know three-page summary on here's how that would work it's a very vague general statement. And so there once we accept this this word blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Once we accept that, then we have to navigate the difficult waters of how does that play out and what is how does that work? And so we have to immediately tie to that revelation. Trust, because there are there are times and situations where we think, okay, to be shown mercy, I need to be merciful, and so you show mercy, and then the next situation that you find yourself in may be the farthest thing from mercy, and so you think, well, then, then this doesn't work, this isn't true, and it's a lie, and if that doesn't work. None of it works. And so I've believed a lie, you know, throughout my exploration of God's word. Well that's a very that's a very tempting conclusion to draw. And if you're going by the the wisdom of man, it's a very rational conclusion to draw. You know, if this produces that and that is not produced, then it's a lie. So what we have to do is understand that the three-page summary we never received, we don't know how that works, but we have to trust in God's Word. We have to trust in, in His character, because how we think something should play out and if, and if it does not, we think immediately that, you know, well, you know, God didn't care about this situation or my desire for this. When in fact, perhaps he knows greater than we could ever imagine that if we had have went that way, then it could have been a huge tragedy for us. And so when things don't work out like you think, don't go straight to, you know, God let you down. Go straight to, what is he doing, and how is he working this through? But even if I never get the answer, I have to trust in his character that he is good, and he has good plans for those who are in him. So, um... Just like a father cares for his children, we have to cling to that idea. And in doing so, we may not have the answer, but we can trust. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's a big statement, and honestly, it's pretty... Far out there statement. What does that mean? I think, you know, most, many of us can understand the idea of, you know, a pure heart, those who are pure in heart. But what does it mean to see God? Are we talking here like with the eyes we will see God? Uh, we will see God in, so to speak, in a situation, like God was present among the situation. You know, of the host and myriad of things that that could mean, we we are tasked with navigating um, what that could be. But whatever it means, we know the we know the the key to it, or we know the formula, so to speak, and that is purity in heart. Now, that's an easy thing to say, not such an easy thing to do, and not just do, but more so be. How can you be pure in heart? Well, I think that could be an interesting study on its own, and the Bible, I'm sure, has much to say about that, and we see some of those things play out in certain biblical characters um, maybe you're thinking of some first one that comes to my mind is David, um, and how do we reconcile this idea of being pure in heart and the state of our humanity, our fallen and brokenness? Um, we are new creatures in Christ, and we are we are wearing the righteousness uh, of God in Christ. And so there's a there's a lying voice to each one of us that's trying to whisper those things of who we used to be and what we used to want. When we've been reborn into Christ, there's a lying deceiving voice that's that's nagging to get us to f- to 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 follow once again the deceit and trickery of of the world, of the flesh, but we we are to crucify the flesh, to deny self. And so how do we, how do we reconcile this idea of being pure in heart and, and the attempts of the enemy to, to drag along this, as Paul put it, you know, the old man, uh, the old you before Christ? And so how do we reconcile this purity in heart? How do we come uh, to purity? How do we become pure? Uh, It's certainly, as Paul would affirm in Romans, it's certainly not by what we do. Because all, all of what we do is never enough. It's rubbish. All of the greatest accomplishments of Paul he considered dung. any time he said he wants to do good he does bad and he does not do what he ought and so it's there's there's a, a friction but so rather than purity in heart being more a matter of what you do i would say on the out just on the surface here in conversation and dialogue it's more a matter of of what you are or what you're becoming. And Jesus said, um, "Out of the treasure of the heart, the mouth speaks." And so, the things that you speak of reveal the condition of the heart. And so that you know, take a, a take a moment to assess uh, yourself. And what is it you speak of? What do you talk about? Um, because when you're speaking of things, what you talk about reveals the the treasure that's in your heart. So, I think that warrants pondering. Um, verse nine: Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Notice that it doesn't say peacekeepers. You know, you we've all we've all had those moments where we're trying to keep the peace between individuals, between friends, between family. We're trying to keep the peace, trying to um, maintain it, and that can be very difficult and tiring. But this word specifically says peacemaker. So to me, that that shows that tells though that. Where there is no peace, you are making peace. Not in anything that you have or can do in yourself. Any peace um, product that we produce is a byproduct of the peace of God. But there's no doubt there that those who are children of God are peacemakers. They are making peace where there is no peace. And I think an important question that we should all ask ourselves is, because it says, for they will be called children of God. So being a child of God should be equated to this revelation that you are a peacemaker now, if, you're, if you find yourself answering the question, well, I'm not a peacemaker. In fact, um, peace is, seems very far from um, my, my place and my, um, my sphere of impact. Well, I think you need to be asking those questions, those tough questions of why is that? What is disrupting my ability to make peace? Remember, we're not making anything. It's from God. But the Word says what it says. Blessed are the peacemakers. So, take it for what it says. Ask the questions, even though they be tough and hard. Ask them, and and allow God to reveal things, to show you things, that maybe is hindering that ability to make peace. And then lastly, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We see that theirs is the kingdom. We see that, you know, on more than one occasion. We see that in verse 3, where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and then in verse 6, Jesus re- mentions those hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And then there's a new concept introduced in verse 10, that of persecution. And so, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And I think that goes without saying to elaborating too deeply um when, when one pursues righteous living, not a holier-than-thou mentality, but to pursue that of righteousness, to stay away from or reject the traditional way of the world, there is persecution from your family, your close friends and loved ones, um, most definitely those who are hostile towards you and maybe the faith. You know, I, this podcast has people listening all across the world, and and many of you who are across the oceans and in places that, you know, we've never been before, um, many of you suffer persecution, true, genuine persecution, uh, f- fearing for your life, um, for being discovered for your faith, um, you know, we in the United States can't imagine what this is like, and so um, we're thankful for your faithfulness, and it's an inspiration to us uh, here in the United States. Who, you know, we we may get fussed at through social media um, when we profess something we believe to be true of God or uh, or of, of His Word. And so we don't have any idea what it's like to face the kinds of persecution that um, you believers are in other countries. And so um, we're thankful that how God has used you th- through the persecution. We wish it to stop and pray it to stop, and we pray that um, your ability to express your faith um, is, is unhindered, and that God would protect you through all of those you know, difficult and scary times that, that your families would prosper. But we know that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and it will not ever um, be stopped or destroyed. And so we know that God will take those moments of persecution and multiply it in, in terms of the effectiveness of God's kingdom. And so, those who are persecuted because of righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. And so, we'll stop here on this episode. Uh, the Beatitudes, as you read through on in Matthew, are just laced with so many nuggets of truth, of revelation. He, Jesus turns on their... Their heads, the, this rediscovering truth and what these paradigms that they've had and clung to um, that turn out to be not the way of the kingdom of God. And so um, I would encourage you to re- read through, continue to read through, and even though you have maybe many times, uh, revisit this and ask God to show you new revelations and insights into um, what He's saying, what truths can be found for you today in that. And so I, I thank you for journeying with me through this, and um, I thank you for being um, a uh, you know faithful supporter of this uh, podcast. I pray that God uses and multiplies um, all that comes out, um, that it would be the work of the, the Holy Spirit. Um, it would be effective. It would grow. Uh, multiply in all places so that people would have access to the gospel, to to the truths of God's kingdom. And uh, I pray that I'd be a, a good agent for that. Um, pray for me as I pray for you, uh, and we'll see God's kingdom um, manifest uh, around the earth as it is and will continue to do. So thank you for joining me, and we will see you on the next one. God bless. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.